Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Coming up on Primetime Politics, Threshold Met. I do not come to this conclusion easily. Justice Paul Rouleau releases his report on the Emergencies Act, saying the government had reasonable grounds to believe the protests constituted a national emergency. In the next hour, we'll hear more from that report, Commissioner Rouleau's reasoning, but also why he came to that conclusion reluctantly. Also... The report of the public inquiry into the 2022 public order emergency. We'll speak to the Minister of Emergency Preparedness, Bill Blair, tabling that report to Parliament. We'll get his reaction to Justice Rouleau's words. We'll also get reaction from those who testified at the Commission's public hearing and from the journalists who were covering the protest and the Commission's work. This is Primetime Politics. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Serapio. Arguably, it was the best the Trudeau government could have hoped for. Justice Paul Rouleau concluding the invocation of the Emergencies Act was justified. Also concluding Cabinet had reasonable grounds to believe a national emergency existed. Now, Rouleau's report, which was tabled in Parliament three days ahead of the February 20 deadline, wraps up the work of the Public Order Emergency Commission. A legally required review triggered when the Emergencies Act is invoked. The first review of its kind as the Act itself has never been used before last February. After careful reflection, I have concluded that the very high threshold required for the invocation of the Act was met. In particular, for reasons that I discuss in detail in the report, I have concluded that when the decision was made to invoke the act on February 14, 2022, Cabinet had reasonable grounds to believe that there existed a national emergency arising from threats to the security of Canada that necessitated the taking of special temporary measures. I do not come to this conclusion easily, as I do not consider the factual basis for it to be overwhelming. Reasonable and informed people could reach a different conclusion than the one I have arrived at. Commissioner Paul Rouleau on the final report he handed in to Parliament today. Well, let's take a listen now to the Prime Minister, who last December also testified before the Commission. Here is how Justin Trudeau is reacting to the Rouleau report. It is unfortunate. It was undesirable. We didn't want to do it. We'd gotten to a place where there was no other choice to keep Canadians safe, we felt, than to do this, and that's what we did. And indeed, the Commissioner found that, yes, we met that very high bar. There should be a very high bar for invoking the Emergencies Act, and we hit that. Um, in looking at all the lessons to be learned so that we don't have to hit that high bar again, uh, so that we can deal with situations of emergency. There are many lessons, and obviously, as a federal government, we will continue to do everything we can to work collaboratively across orders of government with partners in the provinces and territories, work with municipalities, and make sure we are able to deal with the challenges that are coming at us. 
With more, we're now joined by the Minister of Emergency Preparedness, Bill Blair. He is the minister who tabled the Rouleau Report to Parliament. Uh, Mr. Blair, thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So, uh, obviously, we are looking at Rouleau coming to the conclusion that the threshold was met. But along with this report comes these 56 recommendations. I'm wondering, from what you have seen, what will the government prioritize? Uh, what uh, will you act on immediately? Well, and there are a number of very important recommendations. And let me also acknowledge... Um, the invocation of the Emergencies Act was an extraordinary measure, and it, it is, you know, an extraordinary authority only for exceptional circumstances. And when Justice Rouleau said that he came to that conclusion with reluctance, I want to assure Canadians we came to the invo its invocation with a similar reluctance. We understood how, how significant this was, and we wanted to make sure that we had done everything possible um, to resolve a very difficult situation, a, a very real threat to national security and safety of Canadians. Um, in, in working with our provincial and territorial municipal partners, but the circumstances were just such that we really felt it was necessary. And I'm very grateful for Justice Rouleau articulating how he came to the same conclusion. The recommendations he makes, some of them are directed to, to policing, some of them are, you know, directed to other orders of government. But in a confederation, we have all have a shared responsibility to work together, to collaborate. And he spoke about, you know, the... the what he referred to as a failure of, of federalism. Mm -hmm. And federalism mm -hmm. really is... Uh, authorities and, and, and responsibilities that all three orders of government possess together. And, and those authorities and, and responsibilities should be collaborative. They should, they should come together so that we, there are no gaps and we don't end up in these extraordinary and difficult circumstances. And I think that there's lessons for all of us. We're committed to taking all of his uh, recommendations very seriously. We've committed to the team that we'll report back to him. But I, as I've read through that report very carefully today, I think there's a lot of wisdom there. The collective wisdom of all the people that testified, and Justice Rouleau and his team have done a really extraordinary job, and, and we'll take to heart and, and, and very much focus on the things that need to be done to create a safer situation for everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm also wondering about 2020 hindsight here, because Justice Rouleau also says that the government, governments, should have been much more clear and distinguish between the many people who are peaceful protesters and those who are not, rather than calling them. And, you know, Justice Rouleau says uh, the Prime Minister probably did not intend it to be as uh, widely applied as other people interpret it to be, but the description of extremists and racists w within the protests. And, and to be clear, Michael, first of all, I think it's incumbent upon all of us to be, in, to be temperate with our language, to not escalate an already difficult and dangerous situation. I'm, I work very closely with the Prime Minister. I'm quite certain that he was referencing a small element within those protests, and not to suggest for a moment that, that the literally thousands of people that were here um, on the streets of Ottawa, or even in some of the, the, the protests that were taking place across the country, were all, uh, in, in any way, extremists in their views. They're Canadians. They're there who had, they had concerns, and, and they have every right to be heard, every right to protest, every right to gather and assemble. Um, but, but there are, as Justice Rouleau has articulated, there are also limits. To, to that freedom, and, and, and the, the, there's a tension that exists between freedom and order, and, and, and the report articulates that very well. There was an element, a small element, and to be very clear, of people who did not share peaceful intent. They had far more nefarious and, and sinister intent, um, and, and, and that was, we, we had some knowledge of that, and that was what was really concerning us. Um, I think that's what the Prime Minister attempted to reference. But as he acknowledged himself today, we should always all be careful in how we, we speak of this. We don't want to ever demonstrate disrespect for Canadians who are exercising their right to voice their dissent or disagreement. That's, that's a fundamental and important right for all Canadians. 
Um, but at the same time, we have a responsibility to deal with those whose intent is not lawful, peaceful protest, but to harm the safety and security of Canadians. Mm -hmm. uh, I also want to circle back to, to, of course, the challenges of federalism, as you say, but the challenges of policing as well. Given what has happened here, given the fact that the federal government invoked the Emergencies Act in this case, do you think there's going to be a change in the way policing is done in this country? Do you see this almost an aha moment between the different levels of policing that can come together and figure out how to actually react to this? Because to go to Justice Rouleau's point, had policing done their job, the situation would not have gone to the point where the act would have been invoked. Even during these protests, I made a number of public statements in, in which I said, we need, Canada needs the police to do their job. And as you know, I spent 39 years uh, in a police service and, and for 10 years was the police chief in Toronto. And I, and I think Justice Rouleau has articulated that there were significant problems with the way in which the police, not just here in Ottawa, but the police, the challenges they faced. And, 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 I, and, and I think it is incumbent upon us to learn those lessons. Michael, I'm also very confident. Like, I still have strong connections and conversations with law enforcement officials and municipal and provincial officials, as well as our federal policing and national security agencies here in this country. Everybody was very concerned with how we got to this untenable situation that was that made necessary the invocation of extraordinary le legislation, the Emergencies Act. And and we'll, I, I believe those lessons are well incorporated. Uh, Justice Rouleau has made a number of recommendations on things that we can do better. Um, it, it's, I think it, it's, like I want to acknowledge as well, policing in a city like Ottawa is governed, you know, with a police services board in here in the city of Ottawa. It's under provincial legislation. But it, to Canadians, it doesn't matter who has that jurisdictional authority or responsibility. They only want our institutions to work together. And that's, I think, Justice Rouleau's reference to making sure that we all work hard together to make federalism work in this country. Will there be moves to make that happen, though? Because, again, the, the, these are recommendations. There's nothing that obliges any government or any police force to follow through. How do you make sure there's follow-through on this recommendation? On behalf of my government, we will make a commitment. We've, we've told Justice Rouleau we're very grateful for his recommendations. We see a great deal of wisdom in them. We have, we have reported that we will report back to him and publicly um, on our response to those recommendations. But, but we have already begun work. And for example, in, in one of his recommendations, he talks about here at security and, and, and the, the, fact, the fact of having a national capital embedded within a large city. We saw the impact that had on the people that live in Ottawa, businesses that are, that are in proximity to the precinct. And so that work has already begun between our government and the municipal government. We've met with the mayor, we've, we've, we've established tables, our officials are working hard together to find ways in which we can make the national capital region and, and particularly the parliamentary precinct more secure, but at the same time maintain and respect the, the important functionality of, of the city of Ottawa. And we also believe there's an opportunity for us to, to make, for, for people who live here and people who come here to visit, we can make this experience not only safer, but, but, but a more pleasant and exciting experience for people to come to Ottawa. And we're working together on that. And I think that's what Rouleau has, has asked us in the, in the spirit of his recommendations and in their, in their, their detail. Is, is to work together on these things and make a difference. You know, we believe better is always possible, and, and we know we can do better. That makes me wonder, though, because, uh, as you know, Ottawa City Council just recently voted to reopen Wellington Street, and that's, for people at home, the street that runs in front of Parliament Hill. You, as a former police chief, you as the Minister of Emergency Preparedness, should Wellington be reopened? Well, one of the things that I, I called the mayor, and, and I told him, and I am a former police chief, 
and the, and, the, and the movement of people and traffic around a city is important. This is an artery of the, of the city. And, and which we're already seeing in morning and afternoon rush hour, the impact of the closing of Wellington is having on the other arterial roadways in the region. And so the function of the city is important, but equally important is the security of the precinct and the experience of people who live and work here, both parliamentarians and, and, and others uh, here in the city of Ottawa. That's why we're working together. That's why we come together. Uh, and, and so the decision that the city would make, it's their road. And I, under, I understand their responsibility. Uh, but at the same time, we, we are also working very closely with them. They understand the importance of making sure that this environment also remains safe, functional and safe uh, for the people. Your who preference, though, would be to keep it closed? My preference is to work with the city to make it a safer environment. Now, whether or not that means no vehicular traffic or controlling better access to the type of vehicular traffic that is allowed on Wellington, that's work in progress. I don't want to get ahead of that work and say it should be this or that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a binary decision. I, th I think what it requires, though, is that we, we be very mindful of the functionality of the city of Ottawa and respectful of that for all of the people who live and work here, but also the security of, of, the, of the precinct, because it does impact not only the, the parliamentarians, but it impacts the people that live and work um, and, and come to this area for, for a number of you know, imp important reasons. So like all, all that is to say, we're, we're working together on this. And I want to assure the people of Ottawa, we, we, we very much respect you know, how they live here and how they use that street. We want to make sure it's safe and we want to make sure it's functional for the people here. Quickly running out of time, but another recommendation from Justin Cerullo, or at least a criticism, was the lack of paper trail when the decision was made. And he believes that if this happens again, that paper trail must exist in order to, to, to see the justification for invoking the Emergencies Act. What do you say to that? Will the government change that and be better with a paper trail? Michael, this gives me an opportunity to acknowledge the incredible work of our senior officials right across government um, in gathering the documents and, and making available to the commission all of the material that they needed in order to make this decision. Literally th thousands of documents were, were prepared. The government also took the extraordinary step for only the fourth time in our history to waive um, elements of cabinet privilege to allow the, the, those documents to be revealed because we recognized the importance of the work. Um, the, the legislation required uh, the commission, but the legislation was silent as to you know, some of the access that, that the commission might have. But we believed that it was necessary to take the extraordinary me measure of, of waiving, for example, some, uh, some elements of cabinet privilege. The work that the public service did in gathering those, up those documents, and, and I will tell you, literally thousands of our public service workers uh, have, have been working tirelessly for months in order to get those documents in front of the commission. Um, it, there's a lesson in that for us, too. That, and, and not that we ever, frankly, anticipate or hope that, uh, that, um, that we'll ever have to do this again, but, but making sure that, you know, and I think it, some of it is, 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 is making those, finding ways to electronically record and, and, and retain those documents. This, their privilege or security and classification can still be maintained, but we're trying to learn some lessons from how, how hard we had to work to make the commission work this time, and we'd like to find ways to make sure that, and for a whole bunch of other reasons, that that's necess not necessary in the future. Minister Blair, thank you for the time. Always a pleasure, Michael. The opposition leader, Pierre Polyev, was not in Ottawa when the Rouleau report was tabled. Instead, he was in Calgary, he did speak to members of the media, and he was asked about his early support for the Freedom Convoy. What I said before, during and after the protest was that I condemn anyone who behaves badly, breaks laws, or blockades critical infrastructure while standing on the side 
of the hardworking people who have suffered so much under eight years of Justin Trudeau and were desperately trying to have their voices heard against an insulting and divisive prime minister. Well, we're now joined by Keith Wilson, who is a lawyer who also represents members of the convoy protests. Mr. Wilson, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me. So you are in Calgary right now, and uh, as you said to me earlier, you are there uh, with some of the protesters, among them Tamara Leach. Uh, I'm wondering what the reaction is from you and from the people you represent. Well, I was in another meeting when the report initially came out, so they had a chance to digest it. And then when I came into the hotel room that I'm in right now, uh, the leaders were all around. And uh, there was this tremendous, painful look of, of sorrow and, and loss on their face, very similar to what, you know, we experience when when we have a, a loss of a loved one. And, and what they explained to me is uh, that they feel this is a dark day for our country. It's a dark day because we've always been proud of our respect for rights and freedoms, uh, for human rights, uh, for dialogue, political dissent. And uh, this decision from Mr. Rillo says that the threshold is of what occurred in Ottawa is enough to bring in the Emergencies Act and take uh, rights from people to freeze bank accounts, personal business bank accounts. So uh, they're quite concerned that, that we've taken a a turn to more of an authoritarian country as opposed to the true North Strong and Free. You know, I want to break uh, that up a little bit and, and begin with the fact that, you know, when you go through this report, Justice Rouleau uh, does say that there there were many peaceful protesters uh, a part of the, the movement. In fact, he says that the government, all governments should have done a better job of acknowledging that the majority of people were just exercising their fundamental and democratic rights and should have uh, been more clear uh, drawing a line of distinction between peaceful protesters and those who are not. Is that not at least encouraging to you? Well, yes, but it still signals that, you know, in the past, remember, we've only used this type of power where we suspend civil liberties, where we allow the government to seize property, in this case, bank accounts and other things, uh, without the due process of law, when we've been in an acute existential situation like World War One, World War Two, and the FLQ crisis. So we've completely established a new bar and, and, and not only a new bar, but new powers, because back then, you know, we didn't have digital banking and everybody had cash and so on. So, um, no, it doesn't give comfort. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's imp international implications to this. I think this decision today, respectfully, uh, tarnishes Canadians, Canada's image as, 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 as a country that in the past has been this hallmark, this fresh air of freedom. And, and respect for individuals and, and, and diversity and diversity of views and dialogue. So uh, I, don't, I, I take no comfort in, in any aspect of the report to be candid with you. Justice Rouleau also uh, makes a distinction between peaceful protesters and what he says was happening on Parliament Hill again acknowledging that many people had come out to to be peaceful but there were other elements amongst the protesters and he he basically says that they were he doesn't accept the fact that the whole protest was a peaceful action well then he's redefining the english language because what we know is the crime statistics were down we know that there was um uh, there was no bombings there was no fires there was no windows broken um, there was an absence of criminality, there was an absence of violence. That was the sworn testimony 
from the OPP, from the RCMP, from the Ottawa City Police, from CSIS and so on. So see, that's what's concerning here is that 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 we were, we're using new terms to define violence. It wasn't actual violence. It was felt or perceived violence. So I'm not suggesting nor any of my clients that 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 it would have been unreasonable for the government to take steps. And we've all I was always baffled why they didn't use some of their existing powers early. I was always baffled as to why no one applied for an injunction to have them leave. We had an injunction against horns and we had an injunction against something else, but nobody ever applied, no government authority ever applied for an injunction to have them leave. I was always baffled by that and I testified to that during the inquiry. So I think it comes back to the high level point that uh, we can get into the minutia on these various points, but at the end of the day, the, the nature of civil disobedience that we saw has now been deemed to be the triggering, sufficient to trigger these powers that have only been triggered in the past in world war existential situations of national security. And I think it's a chilling effect. It fundamentally changes uh, the ability of not just this government, of any other government. That's what I think we've got to be careful about. Some, you know, we're all on teams, right? You're either conservative or liberal or left or right. Any government can use these powers now in a way that was not constrained prior to today. 2020 hindsight, I'm wondering, Mr. Wilson, would you have advised for things to be done differently than they were uh, from the protesters? Uh, no, I, I've reflected on that many times. Um, uh, as you can imagine, there was a very challenging environment. There was a lot of people with different views. Uh, my job, among other things, was to try and achieve uh, Tamara's wishes, which was to always keep uh, the protest peaceful, uh, always keep um, uh, uh, it, it as respectful as possible to make sure there was no violence, no vandalism, uh, those sorts of things. There was no, no, uh, no burning of churches or buildings uh, or anything like that. Um, it was. Uh, uh, it was these people had the right to have representation as they exercised their charter right of protests and lawful assembly. At no time, each of the police officials that we walked through, and I think it was even Lamenti as well, you know, were any of the legal triggers met to declare this an unlawful assembly, even though everybody uses this phrase unlawful assembly, and they all agreed they weren't. They didn't meet the requirements. The Riot Act wasn't read under the criminal code. I could go on. So um, all in all, I think what should have happened was the someone in the federal government should have said, hey, let's sit down and talk to these people. Let's hear them out. They didn't have to agree with the protesters, but um, the Canadian way to do things is have a, a civil discourse, see where we can agree, see where we can agree to uh, on a way of a dialogue to move forward, to resolve grievances. And um, now, you know, as a government, you don't have to work that hard anymore. You can ignore those who disagree with you, and uh, if they get uh, too boisterous and they start protesting, well, now you can seize their bank accounts and, and freeze their business accounts as well. And I think that's what's so dangerous about what happened today. So, so how do you answer then, in the Rouleau report, uh, the justice pointing mm -hmm. out to the fact that he didn't think there there would have been opportunity to negotiate with anyone because the, the protest the protest itself was so decentralized. Well, I mean, I've addressed this many times, including in my testimony. The proof is in the pudding. And what I mean by that is uh, Tamara Leach and the board 
and the other road captains had negotiated over a number of days and I was involved in that with the mayor and uh, uh, leading into the weekend before the invocation. And on the Monday morning, the same day, the same afternoon, February 14th, that the Emergencies Act was invoked, uh, they had shown their ability to clear out a number of city blocks, over 100 protest vehicles moved, 23 up to Wellington, the rest out to the base camps, and some of them, people went home. So I think they demonstrated their ability to have moral suasion and uh, get the cooperation of the protesters. The only reason that was stopped was because the police put a stop to it, and that was the testimony under oath at the inquiry. So I think, um, and you know, and it worked. It, the civil discussion worked at Windsor. It worked at Coots. That's why those borders were opened over the weekend. But there was this absolute adamance on part of the federal government to have no dialogue whatsoever, even though they had my cell number even though they knew they could reach out to the mayor they had my email address they had tamara's email address they had her phone number so uh it's disappointing uh, i i hope that you know we, we we've got it canadians need to decide whether they think this was a good thing and they need to voice their 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 views to their elected officials and political parties need to decide what their position is um, because if enough canadians say no i i don't think this is right what's happened here and it's not a reflective of my Canadian values, then a future government can uh, amend the Emergencies Act to put in truly stringent thresholds so that it can't be used to simply quell uh, protests and uh, lawful dissent. Keith Wilson, thank you for the time today. Thank you very much. Well, let's bring in our journalist panel now. Bob Fife is the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. Joël Denis Bellevance is the Ottawa Bureau Chief for La Presse. And Stephanie Levitz is parliamentary reporter with the Toronto Star. Nice to see the three of you on such a big day. Yeah, thanks for, having, thanks us. for having us. Uh, Bob, I'll get you to start us out because I actually started the program by saying that this conclusion from Justice Rouleau was probably the best that the Liberal government could hope for. Do you agree? Yeah, you know, they've been struggling for the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, on gun legislation, on bail reform, a number of other issues. And I think this would have been a very serious blow to the government if uh, Justice Perot had said that he wasn't justified in invoking the Emergencies Act. Now, Trudeau is not off the hook on this. Um, he, the, uh, Mr. Rollo said that um, it pained him in a way to be have to, have to say that the, uh, invoking the, the Emergency Act uh, was nece necessary, but but because there was such a failure uh, of police leadership as well as provincial leadership, that he felt that the Prime Minister made the right decision invoking the Act because he was concerned that this was going to spread uh, wider, and we did see evidence of that uh, in, in Windsor and in Coots, Alberta. So on the, on the basis of that, he, th he said the Prime Minister made the right decision, the federal cabinet made the right decision, and he made a number of recommendations, of course, uh, to uh, how to deal with this in the future. So the Prime Minister, I'm sure they were uh, high-fying each other when they saw that report. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because what Justice Rouleau actually puts down in this report really mirrors in many ways the argument that we're hearing from government sources uh, before and during the Commission's work, the public hearings at least. Uh, was there any real concern then on the government's part that this may have gone the other way? No, uh, I talked to some uh, government sources over the, this week about the possible conclusion of Justice Rouleau and they were confident that the Prime Minister's testimony the very last day of the uh, commission uh, swayed the uh, Justice Rouleau because Mr. Trudeau made a very 
powerful and, and convincing arguments that there was a crisis that needed to be done. In fact, when he was asked about the, uh, the police, uh, Ottawa police plan to, take, uh, to tackle this, he said that this was not a plan. So he showed that the actual police force in Ottawa, in Ottawa could not deal with this without this instrument that he called uh, the, uh, the, the uh, invocation of the uh, 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 measures Act. So I think he comes out as a winner, I would say. Um, still, there is some work to do for the government. They need to uh, probably redefine what is a national in, uh, urgency, possibly including economic crisis in emergency, like the bridge. And that's why we got a phone call from the <laughs> U.S. president to deal with the ambassador bridge that was blocked for uh, five days. So I think all in all, the government comes out with okay. Yeah, okay, work to be done on the government yeah. end. But you know, there's also work to be done from the policing end, because when Rouleau talks about the failures here, he, he, he justifies the, the invocation on two things, a failure of policing, a failure of federalism, he says. Uh, let's talk about policing. You were in the lockup, Stephanie. When you go through that, is there any one particular force that comes off the worst? What, there's a couple of things I found interesting. One, um, as people might remember, Brenda Lucky announced her resignation this week, yeah. the, the mm -hmm, commissioner mm -hmm. of the RCMP, and lots of folks were saying, well, it's on the cusp of the Emergencies Act report, and you know there was some failures on the part of the RCMP, but she's the one who skated away here. That was the one agency that really didn't seem to take a material you know, kick in the shin about how they acted. Yes, there was some some um, tension about her own behavior as related to cabinet things. She was saying things that she wasn't saying, but they escaped. Then you get to the Ontario Provincial Police and the OPS, and what you see there is a jurisdictional nightmare where nobody seemed to understand, perhaps unique to the city of Ottawa, who actually helps out Ottawa in a time of crisis. And the tension between the Parliamentary Protective Service, the, the RCMP as it relates to the Parliamentary Protective Service, the Ottawa Police Service, the OPP, um, and that a bit ties into the Ontario Provincial Government oversight, right? And at what point should they have stepped in and directed the OPP? And so, you know, definitely one of the recommendations coming out of the report, and it and is one of those moments where you think, wait, we don't have that already? <laughs> and it's this idea that in these, I think they called it an MCM, you know, a major case management, a major case event, there needs to be clearly delineated steps of authority of who owns a provincial emergency. We know now who can own a national emergency, but what if it's a provincial emergency? And the other thing I really took away is there was a lot of blame and a lot of frustration being focused on the Ottawa police chief at the time, Chief Slowly. Mm -hmm. One of the things I found interesting in Rouleau's conclusions was that he cut slowly a little bit of slack. He pointed out that, yes, there were failures under his watch, but he was also being scapegoated, that he was also the victim of politics in his own office, and that some of the things that he was struggling with were not about his personal failures of police chief, but as a system that he was working in. And so I think that maybe gives chief, or former chief slowly maybe a little bit more breathing room to not wear this for all time, that this, this invocation of the National, you know, the Emergencies Act really rested on his shoulders, because for a time that's exactly what it looked like. Can yeah, you absolutely. just mention, too, the, the, there was humility today from the Prime Minister and the Finance Minister. Uh, Mr. Trudeau said, I really regret that I uh, labeled everybody who were convoy protesters as racist and white supremacist. That was not something I should have said mm -hmm. that inflamed the situation. And I think that was a good message because, you know, I myself when I first saw this and I thought, oh my God, have we got a bunch of white supremacists on the hill? And then I went and started to talking to people. They were not white supremacists or racists. These were people who were, you know, badly misinformed about and had conspiracy theories on vaccinations, but they were, you know, generally hardworking people. 
And then in, in France, Minister uh, Freeland also said that, uh, you know, if we do it again, when we have to freeze bank accounts and the kind of the drastic financial measures that we have to take place, and she said, you know, we, we put this in quickly, we took it off quickly, but we have to be much more careful about how we freeze people's bank accounts because it, it wasn't just like Joel who may have been up on the hill, his bank account was frozen. It was his wife who was at home with three or four kids mm -hmm. and didn't have any money. So there, you know, that has to be much better thought out. And I thought that on the part of both uh, the Prime Minister and Ms. Freeland, that they, they sounded the right kind of message. Yeah, I, I wonder how much choice they had but to be humble though, because Rouleau mm -hmm. clearly mm -hmm. states that there should have been clear distinction on behalf of governments, and here the federal government, to, to make that distinction between what were peaceful protesters versus those who are not being peaceful. And you know, when you, you talk about that, that kind of distinction, that humility, I kind of wonder how how long-lasting it will be, because you know Trudeau well, has been criticized. Two weeks when the House is out in session, <laughs> it's two weeks. We get we're going to forget. We're going to forget it by the end. No, no, but you know because Trudeau was criticized in 2021 by driving making vaccination a wedge issue. Yes, so in did. some ways, yeah. you know that yeah, humility right. is being forced because Rouleau puts it down on paper. Yeah, that's a very good point. And yeah. that report is like black and white. It's written black and white. Um, and then I think probably Mr. Trudeau got the cue and I think to lower the temperature about this issue, trying to turn the page and make sure he, he appealed to people to work together. If you want to make sure that this appeal is heard by everybody, he has to show some humility. And I think this was the right occasion. There is one point that you raised uh, in Mr. Justice Trudeau's report, talking about federalism. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, uh, I think if there was a surprise in that report, that was it for me. Because he was looking at, you know, more legal issues as to whether the government was justified in invoking the um, um, emergency as act to deal with this, but a failure of federalism, well, that may give ammunition to separatists in Quebec. Said, "See, federalism doesn't work." Justice Rouleau says it, but uh, the Bloc Québécois was opposed to uh, calling uh, the government invoking that uh, that uh, law, the uh, Emergencies Act. But it's still this was, I think, was. Uh, um, quite a surprise for me, and I think he was alluded to the fact that there was no collaboration between Ottawa and Toronto, the Premier of Ontario, not, you know, trying to do his part, his share to make sure that this crisis would be dealt with swiftly. And probably also the city of Ottawa, and the lack of communications between uh, different governments led to this crisis and led the government to uh, invoke the, war, the uh, Measures Act. And by the way, uh, Ottawa capital of a G7 country, I think, was embarrassed by this incident, and this, I think, I've already took note of it. Yeah, you know, as we talk about, you know, having to make these distinctions and, and looking back, the, actually having all governments, including the Prime Minister, look back at past comments, what's interesting, and you raised this actually before we went on air, was the part of the report that actually does a deep dive into populism, because while People might think that Justice Rouleau was really limited to, to the days of protest, the, the three weeks plus days of the protest here in Ottawa. He actually went deeper. Yeah, he had, I mean, he had a mandate to explore the origins of the protest. That was part of it, right? To understand what happened here. And what I found quite fascinating about that element of the report is that he did two things. He dated this back, the protest movement, to even prior to the pandemic, to sort of the rise of other anti-government protest movements. They're upset about various things and how those grievances mushroomed and to be seized upon by other groups and then tweaked in a bit to, to reflect current circumstances. That to me was fascinating and compelling. The second piece was that he noted in the report that the government should have seen this coming. 
the government should have understood that you know the the potential for societal unrest during a pandemic after lockdown measures a protest of this size was not should not have come as a surprise and that they didn't foresee it that they didn't think about the negative um, political implications of what they were doing and then in turn prepared for it from a national security point of view. I can recall many of us in Ottawa who covered Ottawa a long time when this all began happening the big trucks are out on Wellington you think to yourself what do you mean they allow big trucks on yeah. the street yeah. in front of the parliament buildings? Like we can all support peaceful absolute protests but these things are literally bombs yeah. and they were just able to drive and park. Did no one ever plan for this before? And I, that wasn't explored in as much detail in Rouleau's report but you have to imagine that in the security agencies in this country there's a lot of soul searching going on about how do we tighten our, our infrastructure here and we've seen some evidence of that now with the return protests they can't get in front of the hill but my point being Rouleau made the point um, that this should have been, we should have seen this coming, and the Prime Minister should have watched his mouth. Yeah. And I think that those are two pretty salient points, and we finally saw it today, you know, on Friday, the Prime Minister actually addressed that, because he's been asked numerous times, mm -hmm. do you regret what you said? Should you have not said it? Did you go too far? And he's always held on. Mm -hmm. He's always held on until today. And so that's a pretty watershed moment. Whether he lives it, I guess we'll see in two weeks after. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to pick, uh, let me pick up on your point about learning from it, though, because, you know, in the immediate days, uh, as the protest was here in Ottawa, certainly uh, Quebec City learned it, Toronto learned it, when police did not let protesters anywhere near the National Assembly, they did not let, let them anywhere near Queen's Park. But in this report, Rouleau also talks about securing infrastructure and border crossings mm -hmm. and, and making sure that they are not made vulnerable again. I think back about Parliament Hill, Bob, uh, before 9-11. It was so easy. You just walked right through the door. You, you didn't have to go through security. You were, your bags yep. weren't checked. You went right through to the common side, right. stood there with your camera. 9-11 happens. All of that changes. Does the protest and this report now change what we're going to see going forward, not only in Ottawa, but perhaps through you parts know, of the it's country? Been a, you, know, uh, you know, there have been the, the Parliament Hill shooting uh, that brought in mm -hmm. stricter. There was a, a hijacking of a, of a, of a bus by um, yeah, uh, on, the, on the hill. Um, mm -hmm. So we've had a number of these instances, and every time we get this incident, it, it gets, uh, Parliament Hill security gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, and uh, particularly after the shoot, after the the, sh uh, the shooting on Parliament Hill, yeah. the killing, and then the, who stormed the House of Commons, uh, you know, w you can't get on the hill that easily anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a difficult thing in a democracy because it's Parliament, and people should have access to Parliament, and people should be able to protest on Parliament or to, to and, and and so I have some sympathy for governments to say, look, it is, it is the people's house. Um, we have to have uh, we have to allow people to be able to come up on Parliament Hill. But to Stephanie's point, clearly they can't be driving up on Parliament Hill with big trucks. Yeah. But the United States has the same problem. If you go mm -hmm. to the White House, it's all blocked off now. But people can still walk there and, and have protests. But it's it's really really yeah. tight yeah. security. There's a battle between the federal government and the city of Ottawa as to what to do with the Wellington yeah. Street where the big rigs were parked. And, and yeah. Ottawa just voted. City council voted. Yeah. They want Wellington yeah. to be open yeah. for people think, at home. That is yeah. the street right in front of Parliament Hill. Yeah. I think too the one thing this report did do with security is it validated this idea that what happens online can translate into the real life, right? Sure. I mean, yeah, I think yeah, that there's always this tension right now that's emerging, and we saw it with some of the more extreme elements of the protest movement to say, oh, you know, what I posted online, that was just a joke. 
that wasn't serious, I didn't mean it, and then you end up with several thousand people in front of the parliament buildings. Mm -hmm. And I think perhaps this incident, and it, again, it's reflected in Rouleau's report, that you know, intelligence now really needs to take these online things a yeah, bit more seriously, sure. as do we all. We can't just slough yeah. it off and say, whatever, what happens on YouTube stays on YouTube, because the protest was evidence that it doesn't, and it no longer does. And anyone who wants to claim, well, I didn't mean it, well, maybe you didn't mean it, but mm -hmm. a bunch of people believed you, mm -hmm. yeah, you and know, then and, they went out. And just, just recently, uh, when the anniversary came, you saw a, he a much heavier police oh. presence on Parliament Hill, and just this last week, there was concern that there were going to be uh, convoy protesters coming up, presumably yep. because of the rollover mm -hmm. report. Mm -hmm. And again, there was a heavy police presence. Um, and I think that's meant to last right through to Sunday, you know, yeah. because right. we, we didn't know if it would come down Friday right. or Monday when it was due. Yep. So. so now you're beginning to see this is probably going to be a fact of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A new normal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, quickly running out of time, but I, 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 I have to talk about political fallout here. You know, we talked a little bit about Justin mm -hmm. Trudeau, but, but I'm wondering about the political fallout for the prime minister, but also for Pierre Poliev, the opposition leader, conservative leader, and for Doug Ford and Sylvia Jones, now health minister of Ontario, but at the time, attorney general of Ontario. Uh, what do you think about the fallout? Well, the one who will have to explain himself more, I think, is Pierre Poliev, because he was clearly behind the... Uh, the uh, convoi de la liberté, as we say. And he, at the beginning, was not very much nuanced. He was full force behind him. So I think uh, the liberals will use that against him in the next federal elections, I'm sure. So he will have to find a better strategy, a better communication strategy to, uh, I guess, uh, sort this out for himself. I disagree a bit with J.D. only because I think Rouleau gave him an out in the report where Rouleau said the exact same thing that Pierre Polyev has been saying for months, that they weren't all bad apples and that the majority of people were in fact there for peaceful protest and they were concerned about having their rights limited and that you know the political rhetoric around that was damaging i think that that's that's com com mm. comfort, I don't comforting politically comforting useful to Pierre Polyev the reality is they don't want to talk about it at all right <laughs> they they just need this to go away because it brings back um, you know the more fringe elements of their own party who were part of this movement um, and who you know espoused conspiracy theories and some of those still sit in the House of Commons I mean I think there's a lot of tension there for Pierre Polyev and in his view um, it's, it's politically simpler that Rouleau came down on the side of the government than if Rouleau had come down against the government because then it would have led to a lot of questions for Mr. Polyev um, and more talking because we'd be much more jumping down the throat of the federal government. You went too far, you did too much, and you'd expect Polyev to echo that, mm -hmm. but it's politically tricky for them. I think for Doug Ford and Sylvia Jones, who um, were really taken to task by the commissioner for their total absence here, for their abandonment of the city of Ottawa, for their failure to oversee provincial policing. And refusal to appear before the commission. And refusal to appear before the commission. Um, you know, unfortunately, one of the, the craziest things about this whole incident, really, isn't it? There's been no accountability. Where's the accountability at the end of the day for all of this, right? Doug Ford got elected in the election that was after this convoy, right? Um, so you wonder, I mean, you know, Jim Watson in Ottawa didn't run again. The convoy, was it a factor in the Ottawa ele municipal election? Eh, maybe. You know, the political accountability piece here is the one thing that will forever be missing about the people who made the mistakes. What price did they pay? for what the city and the province and the country had to endure. Bob? Uh, look, um, we saw Polyev uh, earlier today mm -hmm. um, basically mouthing that part of uh, the Justice Rollo's report uh, and then blaming the convoy on Justin Trudeau for some reason. I don't know how he got to that conclusion. But we all know what's going to happen when election time comes. The Liberals are going to pull those clips of 
of Polyev shaking hands with convoy guys and are going to really go after him hard on that. He can't escape that part of it for sure. Well, we are watching. I'll convene the three of you again. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate the thank conversation. You. Uh, Bob, Joe, Denise, Stephanie, thank you for that. Thank you, Michael. You're watching Primetime Politics, and I'm Michael Serapio. We continue our special coverage now of the Rouleau Report. Justice Paul Rouleau concluding the Trudeau government met the threshold for invoking the Emergencies Act. With his thoughts, we're now joined by Pierre-Yves Bourdois. He is the president of PY Public Safety Management, also a past deputy commissioner of the RCMP. Mr. Bourdois, thank you for joining us tonight. My pleasure. Now, Justice Rouleau, uh, he says it's regrettable that the government had to use the act. Regrettable because he says while they were justified, it could have been avoided had police not made so many mistakes. When you look back, when you look at this report, are those mistakes traceable back to one force? Well, the report overall uh, covered a lot of angles and uh, uh, policing failures, big and small, like the uh, commissioner indicated, uh, were quite obvious. And uh, the report actually in its 56 recommendations uh, a fair majority of them uh, deal with uh, with uh, police action and ways to rectify the mistakes that were made in relation to this particular occupation in order to avoid a, a repeat of similar situation nationwide. So overall, uh, I was quite uh, impressed with the, 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 the breadth uh, of these recommendations and some specificity within these recommendations uh, in relation to intelligence and a police deployment uh, on uh, similar types of circumstances. Well, it's funny you mentioned intelligence because I did want to pick up on that point. Uh, Justice Rouleau points out there was a disconnect between the information that different police forces had and, the, and how protesters were greeted when they arrived to Ottawa. Uh, when you look at the recommendations, uh, what stands out for you? How might that help avoid what we saw last winter? It's a better coordination of intel, and the report specifically talked about a, a, a coordinating body that would ensure that uh, intelligence that are uh, gathered uh, are, are collected, they're put together, and, and disseminated at the appropriate level just to ensure that uh, everybody is on the same page. What's frustrating to me, Michael, is the fact that I've been in this business for 47 years, and intel is not an exact science. However, uh, it needs to be shared, and that is one of the biggest challenge when you look at law enforcement agencies, one of the biggest challenge uh, uh, dealing with uh, operational um, situations such as the occupation here in Ottawa and in other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. Now, the Emergencies Act itself, as you know, it relies on the CSIS definition of a national security threat. And Justice Rouleau, in those recommendations, in his writings, he, he says that that needs to change. So if not the CSIS definition, what exactly are we talking about here? Well, he's, he's talking about the broad definition of CSIS, whereas... Uh, and, and David Vigneault, the director of CSIS, in his testimony in front of the commission, clearly indicated that he was not in agreement when the, uh, in, with the invocation of the Emergencies Act, reason being that it connected this particular act with the CSIS Act. And the CSIS Act is quite specific with regards to what constitute 
an emergency. And it, it didn't align with the situation that prevailed in downtown Ottawa. Hence the reason why it was not in agreement. The judge actually looked at the CSIS Act and indicated in his, uh, his report that there needs to be a disconnect between the CSIS Act that deals specifically with national security threat writ large and specific situation that, uh, uh, like in this particular instance, the judge talked about a, a lawful process protests that turn into lawlessness. And that is where the judge indicated that there should be uh, uh, a disconnect between the two just to ensure that the Emergencies Act apply to various situations and not solely national security issues such as the one highlighted in the CSIS Act. Mm -hmm. Now, Rulo also talks about identifying uh, trade and rail lines, infrastructure and such uh, that essentially needs to always be secure and protected. Uh, what's your reaction to that recommendation? Well, the, the, I, I, I like the, the recommendation per se, but it, it's also specific to, to uh, uh, for instance, allowing uh, the opening of certain areas in the border uh, to to prevent uh, replication of what happened with the Ambassador Bridge, for instance, in uh, Windsor, and and what happened in Coots. So uh, again, uh, what really uh, jumped out at me when I, I looked at the report and its recommendation is that there's a lot of work to be done by uh, all levels of government and also uh, public safety agencies in order to address judges uh, Rulo's recommendation with regards to uh, what needs to be dealt with in order to to be better prepared in case of a similar situation happening anywhere in our country mm -hmm. now of course these are recommendations there, there is no um, obligation that they're actually followed through with but from the uh, police forces uh, from public safety forces across this country from that perspective how open do you think they'll be to these recommendations how might they move forward with these recommendations <laughs> great question michael because uh, one of the recommendations talks about the need for instance the rcmp to coordinate uh, these types of responses uh, nationwide because of course the rcmp is a national police uh, force. However, um, uh, we all know that police jurisdictions, uh, there needs to be a lot of dialogue between the RCMP and the different jurisdictions because they have different protocol to address these types of situations. So to find common ground is gonna be uh, uh, an, an uphill battle for the RCMP and other law enforcement agencies. But uh, the, the work needs to happen sooner than later because I suspect that uh, these types of events will unfortunately repeat itself in the not-so-distant future. P.Y. Boudoir, thank you for this. Really appreciate the insight. Always my pleasure, Michael. Take care. You too. Alex Neve is an international human rights lawyer who served as Secretary General of Amnesty International Canada's English branch for nearly 21 years. Most recently, Mr. Neve serves as one of four commissioners on the Ottawa People's Commission on the Convoy Occupation. So, Alex, nice to see you face to face, finally. Yeah, nice to be here. Uh, listen, so obviously the commission which you are working with uh, has a different mandate than that of Justice Rouleau's. But given the weight of this review, I I'm wondering what the reaction is amongst you and your colleagues? Uh, well, we certainly welcome it. Uh, as you can well imagine, we followed it quite closely, uh, as did many Canadians during the course of the fall. 
Uh, and, uh, and while I won't pretend to have yet exhaustively digested the entirety of the report, I've, I've certainly had an opportunity to, to see the highlights. And I'm, I'm struck by the fact that while we have very different mandates, uh, and, and obviously he had a lot more legal power, we're a popularly convened uh, people's process, uh, that there's a lot that's in common. Uh, some of the, the key findings that we've been making uh, resonate with uh, with what we've been hearing in his report as well. Well, it, it, to the fact that it is, it is different than what your commission's trying to achieve. Your commission's trying to achieve healing and justice. Does this report help your mandate in any way? I think it does because part of both the healing and justice process is uh, is some real acknowledgement about what was the experience at community level. That's our focus in our commission, is what was the impact of the convoy on the community, the 23,000 people uh, who live in downtown Ottawa. And, um, and I think we've seen a lot of that in the report. Uh, certainly, uh, like us, he has made it very clear that this was not the peaceful love fest celebratory gathering that that convoy uh, organizers and participants uh, like to insist it was. He's, uh, we talk about it being a convoy that was marked by violence and human rights abuses. He talks about uh, it being unsafe and lawless and chaotic. Uh, I think it's very important for people at community level to hear that. It's a validation, uh, especially after many weeks during the convoy, when their experience was being dismissed, uh, not only by the convoy organizers, but even sometimes by police themselves, who were often labeling this as a largely peaceful, mainly peaceful uh, process, which was not their experience at all. So I think it's important that people hear that. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm wondering what you think of the uh, prime minister's role in all this and the government's role as well, because uh, while the bar may have been met, uh, Justice Rouleau also says that governments should have done a better job of distinguishing uh, protesters who are out there because they were frustrated and exercising their democratic right, and those that were essentially troublemakers. Uh, what do you say to that? Um, uh, I, I think uh, w what our take, uh, as we've been listening to the you know more than 200 people who have have been making submissions and testifying in our process, is um, is there was a real human rights failure that lies behind all of this, uh, that from the outset. Uh, Federal, provincial, municipal governments didn't have a strong human rights framework in place that was going to guide uh, how they responded to what was happening. That would, for instance, have given greater clarity as to how you distinguish between the legitimate, lawful uh, protest that was happening, which always should be upheld, and everything else um, went, that went beyond protest uh, that wasn't peaceful. Uh, and that was leading to human rights abuses. And there was responsibility at all three levels of government um, to be responsive to that, uh, to be proactive, uh, to have that kind of human rights approach in place long before the convoy shows up uh, so that people aren't abandoned uh, in, the, in the way they were. And that's where the failure uh, lies. And then it gets compounded by the fact, and Justice Rouleau makes this point repeatedly in the report, uh, by the fact that federalism didn't work here, mm -hmm. uh, that, the, that the different orders of government were completely disconnected from each other. The provincial government wasn't even showing up. And, and at a time when we needed those three orders of government to be 
on the same page, pointed in the same direction, uh, working in lockstep with each other uh, to protect and uphold human rights. Yes, the right to protest, but also the fundamental rights of, of people living in downtown Ottawa. We saw nothing close to that. <clears throat> Again, you are part of a commission that is very separate from the Rouleau Commission, but I am interested in this because now we have this final report and it has me wondering, where does the healing move in? Because while there are recommendations being made by Justice Rouleau, there are still many hurt feelings, many divisions amongst Canadians as to how they might view this and, and you know, however many might view it one way, there's still a significant minority that might view it another way. How is there healing this? What needs to be done to move forward? Uh, this is something we're grappling with in the People's Commission as well, and um, uh, because it's so vital. Uh, and there was, uh, it, it, it's not that things just went terribly wrong during those three and a half weeks in February of 2022. There, of course, was a buildup uh, in the two years before that uh, as we were having all sorts of social breakdowns and divisions and polarization in society during those two very difficult uh, first years of the COVID pandemic. Um, and it's really struck us that one of the things that was missing uh, was, you know, whether it's something like our exercise of the People's Commission or other processes, but venues that offer space for dialogue, uh, that offer space uh, without shouting at each other uh, at school board meetings, etc., but offer a space to have meaningful conversations, to share experiences, to hear and learn from each other. Um, we've seen that be very valuable in the People's Commission process. We heard from convoy supporters. Uh, we weren't only hearing from people who were opposed uh, to the convoy. Um, and I think going forward, those kinds of processes need to become more regular. I don't know if we had had um, things like that on offer during those two years, mm -hmm. whether that would have deflated some of the tensions, whether it would have avoided some of the polarization. I might be a little bit naive in imagining that, but I don't think it would have hurt. Um, and, uh, and we need to be looking for that. How do we open up more meaningful space for difficult discussions about important issues? Alex Neve, thank you for that. Thank you. And that is our program. I'm Michael Serafio. For everyone here at CPAC, thank you for watching. Primetime Politics won't be here for the next couple of weeks as Parliament is away, but when they come back, we'll be back. We'll see you then.